Hello and welcome to the second podcast from the Journeys to Treasury participants for this year. Journeys to Treasury is a project combining BNP Paribas, PwC, SAP and the European Associations of Corporate Treasurers. In this podcast, we're talking about digitization in a post-COVID environment. We know that digitization has been a theme for treasurers and finance managers for many years, but it's definitely become a higher priority during the pandemic as the risks and limitations of manual processes and interactions between systems and counterparties become more apparent. In this podcast, participants explore the new and emerging opportunities for end-to-end digitization and some of the areas in which corporate treasurers have had the greatest success. So I'd like to introduce three uh, experts today. Damien McMahon, partner at PwC, Christian Minich, VP and Head of Solution Management for Treasury and Working Capital at SAP, and Jan Dirk van Busikom, Head of Strategic Marketing for Cash and Trade at BNP Paribas. Thank you so much for joining us today. First of all, I'd just like to clear up an item of terminology. How would you describe digitization compared with automation? And why is it so important? Christian, perhaps I can come to you first. Thank you, Helen. That's indeed a very interesting question. So, so let, let me explain a little bit um, based on, on, on my experience. I think the keyword digitization is often used as a synonym for automation. While automation is defined by the transfer of basically manual functions or processes to software systems, Digitizations, on the other hand, covers a wide, broader spectrum. In the simplest case, it's only about the digitization of analog, analog content to reduce paperwork and manual processes. On the top level, it's about the strategic orientation of digital transformation, taking into account business models based on data. This enables disruptive technologies, combining aspects of automation and digitization, which can then lead to completely new business models. Prominent examples are business like um, taking into account online content for music streaming services, digital marketplaces for commerce, and services like housing. Last but not least, sharing economy, which in which end customers can rent service instead of owning them. Great, thank you, Christian. And Damien, anything you'd add to that? Um, no, not really. I think Christian nailed it. There, digitization, I actually had to Google what's the difference between automation and digitization. And it came up with the fact that, yeah, you're taking something that's paper-based and you're putting it into a kind of digital form. The automation is the part that comes afterwards. So it's like just digitizing the information isn't good enough. We also need automation if you're going to make a lot of use of it and if you're really going to reduce the manual efforts, which I, I think is the key thing that people are trying to achieve these days. Great, thank you. That's really helpful, actually, because we do tend to talk about digitization without really necessarily knowing what we're going to do with this digital data once we've got it. Um, and Jan Dirk, anything you'd share from a bank perspective? Well, I didn't Google. I, uh, I think I, I, uh, I will give uh, an interpretation of, uh, of how at our bank, we, of our, our perspective, we look at it. And I would say that digital transformation is, is a trend, a journey we undertake with our clients, regulators, technology providers and competitors, uh, which we started already some years ago and that has definitely accelerated over the last, uh, last two years and of which we do not see the end yet. And uh, automation, on the other hand, is for us or for me an element of the digitalization 
uh, more internal focused on the efficiency of certain processes and actions. Um, and in, in digitalization, I think one of the key elements is to balance technology, automation, and the human elements of the, of the process. Great, thank you, Jan Dirk. So how has COVID-19 changed Treasurer's attitudes and priorities around digitization and of course, automation as well? Damien, perhaps I can ask you first. Well, I like what Jan Dirk said in terms of digitization being a journey uh, that treasures are going on, because yeah, I don't think this is something new. I mean, automation, we've been talking about for a long time and digitization, if you look back even over the last few um, releases of JTT, digitization has been in there quite a bit. How do we use AI? How do we use ML? So, and, and also there's quite a few treasures that we work for um, that are always talking about digitization and how they can digitally upskill their workforce. I mean, that was a presentation that Tony Massone, the treasurer of Amazon, did at, uh, at a conference pre-pandemic, back when we had conferences, and, and it got a little warm reception from, from the audience. I'd say what happened during COVID, though, is it really, really made everybody realize why we needed because suddenly those processes that were out there that we thought they were working not so badly, they really came to the fore of exactly where were the breaks, where were things that, that weren't um, completely seamlessly linked up. And that has made Treasurer say, well, okay, it's not just a nice to have, it's something that we have to have right now because of the way that our lives are being disrupted. So I think it's now become perhaps not number one priority, but certainly in the top three or four for a, a Treasurer. Great, and that um, that aligns very well with the survey that we talked about during the first podcast, um, which talks where we saw very much that digitization and automation was a priority for treasurers. Christian, what have the treasurers been coming to you to discuss since the start of the pandemic? Yeah, I would agree with that, what, what Damien and Jan Dirk have already provided. So the majority of our clients are still, I would say, in the so-called automation phase. Yeah, So they have not even entered the full digital transformation phase. What we have seen uh, through, uh, through the crisis is that there was rather a shift in the focus. I would say treasurers, again, um, have shown their agility, basically, based on the priorities given by the sea level. So there was a high focus on reporting, of course. And um, as you know, reporting is based on data, and we'll come to that in a second. But we have also seen that really large um, finance transformation projects have rather been paused for the moment to focus on the most important impacts. And many of our clients have seen impact on their business operations, in particular when we think about processes like payment management and having the right controls um, digitized and, and also enabled um, that can work across the organization. We just need to remember that staff was not able to access um, business buildings, um, which of course uh, led to a number of challenges for many organizations. And at the same time, talking about the importance of reporting, um, many customers were struggling with um, having the right data at time, right? So it was a very reactive approach, I think. Um, in many cases, it took longer time than expected, if, for example, to collect a real-time cash position and to have really an, a view on the cash and liquidity forecast that was used in many cases also uh, to apply for um, state government um, help um, in order to, to you know, cover certain liquidity gaps. So that was uh, for many organizations, I think one of the, the biggest priorities. And at the same time, with the increase of automation and digitization, that was probably also an entry barrier 
um, for bad actors. So cyber risk and, and fraud prevention uh, was also raising the importance in particular in treasury operations and all kind of um, yeah, collaboration related um, the business processes. And last but not least, we have seen a major shift to fast deployable software solutions instead of having very static on-premise related um, um, projects running. And that in particular for the topic of payment management and bank connectivity, where obviously um, there was the biggest need for clients um, to get that sorted out to cover this very critical business process. Thanks, Christian. And Jan Dirk, how far does that align with your experience from a bank point of view in terms of how treasurers have wanted to engage with you during the pandemic? Yeah, I think uh, Christian already mentioned a few items, uh, a few items there, and uh, particularly the, the, the C suite. Uh, um, I think it has been an, an excellent opportunity to ask for funding of transformation and digitalization projects in on uh, on the in the area of treasury. Um, Secondly, uh, we've seen an, indeed an uptake in, uh, in tools and services around cybersecurity and fraud management. Um, we introduced Payment Watch and announced a partnership with SysID, for instance, to make sure that the IBAN indeed belongs to the beneficiary that is intended by the debtor. And um, I think next to that, uh, working capital and cash conversion cycle are in the middle, as in many a crisis. Uh, of attention and, and focus and uh, the seamless treasury journey, onboarding, KYC registry, cash flow forecasting and reconciliation tools are all exponents of this and we see an, an increased interaction with our clients on these subjects. Great, thank you. And Damien, perhaps I can come to you now. You know, we've we've heard already that digitization and automation has really come to the fore. So to what extent is that perhaps now fueling the growth of new treasury management system selections or re-implementations to try and achieve some of these objectives? Yeah. I mean, I would agree with what Christian said that probably, well, in the early parts of the, the COVID pandemic and for a good chunk of 2020, the bigger projects went on hold. You know, people were struggling with just how do I work remotely in the first place, as well as people weren't very sure in terms of what the cash flows were going to be. Do they have the funding to, to launch bigger projects? But what we're seeing at least is now that we get into 2021, that you know a lot of treasures, well, everybody's getting used to the new normal, unfortunately. Uh, this is the way we're working. We're getting more efficient at it. Um, we're probably working too many hours as well, but we're, we're certainly trying to get more efficient. Um, and lots of treasurers, I'd say, who previously thought my TMS, it's not great, but it works, have discovered that, you know, there's a lot of patches, there's a lot of workarounds, and actually there's a lot of outright holes that whenever they were in the office and staff were in proximity, they could get them fixed. But now when they're working remotely, that just isn't covering it. And that drive for efficiency means that they can't survive on something that either wasn't the best system for them in the first place or wasn't implemented correctly. So in 2021, we're actually seeing quite a bit of an uptick in terms of those big projects, actually. So people who have a TMS that are upgrading to the next version or ones that had managed to survive without one, who are putting one in. I think the other bit is, I think I heard Christian say that, you know, reporting and real-time visibility. So that became extremely important during the crisis. And whenever the board is asking you for a new report of, well, what's my cash flow forecast and how's that going to change under the following scenario? and you don't have your team sitting outside your office that can help scramble to put that together, you really want that information at your fingertips. 
And again, having a full end-to-end TMS in place is going to help you gather that data, have it in one central place, and be able to do the analysis on it. And I think that the third part that I could see that was driving this was it was always there again, but the, the, the COVID crisis brought it home, you know, disaster recovery and backup plans. We all thought we had them. We all thought we had tested them, but you know, this really put everything to the ultimate test, and it's testing it for a long period of time. So I think that's the other part is that a fully implemented and well-working TMS is allowing, especially a lot of the global treasuries, to really have a follow the sun type of scenario. Everybody's on the same system, everybody's following the same processes, and therefore the treasurer has a lot more control over that. So I think having that automated straight through process has become a lot more urgent as we come out of the, the crisis. And people are realizing this could be the new normal, so I don't just need a quick fix, I need something that's gonna be sustainable for the future. Great, thank you. And you mentioned that some people, um, you know, have already got systems in place. They've already achieved quite a lot in, by way of digitization automation. So, Christian, perhaps I can ask you, um, looking at the projects which aren't end-to-end -end across the whole Treasury management sort of pro profile or portfolio activities, which areas do you see Treasurers focusing on where they can get the most out of digitization at this point? Okay, very interesting one as well. So there are, of course, uh, many areas within um, yeah, the large end-to-end um, uh, -end area of, of, of Treasury, but I will focus on some of them. Before doing that, I would also like to add to Damien's points, which I totally agree to one aspect. Um, some of our clients, um, we are just using workarounds um, for um, the beginning of the pandemic, maybe in which they have just used a reporting layer uh, in which they have used maybe data based on Excel spreadsheets and stuff like that. And now they have seen there is, you know, um, a bigger transformation needed uh, to have really a sustainable approach that would help to cover the, the needs of today's environment. And, and this goes in certain areas. So, of course, I would say amongst all of our clients, this entire risk management and reporting topic um, becomes most critical. And I think this is also the area where uh, the majority of budgets are left. Um, and this is really about providing an end-to-end -end view. We have seen many clients running into the situation reporting on a working capital management um, level, basically combining data from order to cash, accounting, procurement, treasury, cash, to have really a CFO-oriented dashboard at hand. Um, which was used for some um, modeling scenarios, but also to have the right steering in place. Talking about automation, um, I think that there are some low-hanging fruits, um, which are in many cases uh, still ongoing. So, for example, treasury back office automation, straight through processing, um, leveraging um, new standards and payment methods in the area of the um, payments and bank con connectivity um, um, stream. So, things about GPI and so on, which certainly uh, provide additional value. Then the front office piece, uh, where we see more and more clients um, using um, um, technologies for um, collaboration in which they use um, basically trading platforms combined with their treasury system um, in order to improve this entire FX trading um, piece and experience. 
Then in the middle office um, area, which is certainly around limit management and having better controls and workflows in place, one of the points Damien mentioned earlier already. And in payment operations, the entire topic of fraud prevention in which we can use based on pattern machine learning technologies um, to identify those cases at an early point in time. Last but not least, what we see more and more um, getting into the Treasury conversation is the entire order to cash piece. Um, where automation of collection and reconciliation um, is a very important piece to optimize this entire cash flow forecasting exercise. Because, of course, you can leverage those data um, for, for further um, analytics, in particular when it comes to uh, predictions and stuff like that. So these are the major areas um, I would like to add here. That's great. So bearing in mind the areas where we can see digitization and automation taking place and where we could see real benefits being delivered to treasurers. Damien, what are the gaps? What's left behind and, and how are treasurers plugging those gaps in their digitization journey? Yeah, and go back to that point that, that Christian was mentioning. So workflow, so workflow and collaboration tools. Um, Honestly, most TMSs don't do that particularly well. Um, and also, when you're not in the office anymore, it's, it's a lot more difficult to pass a piece of paper um, or send emails around to different people in terms of you know, getting them to fulfill their part of a very elaborate workflow. So there we, we see that there's more tools that are being layered on top of the TMS, on top of the ERP, and across multiple different departments that are helping to keep track of that. And one prime example would be opening a bank account, which should be, I say should be advisedly, is a, a very simple task and very regular task for a treasurer to do. But actually you need treasury to play a part, tax, legal, accounting, maybe AP, maybe AR. You know, they'll all have steps to play. They'll all have perhaps documents that need to be attached, need to be verified, need to be digitally signed. Previously they would have been paper signed. And, and you need to get all of those steps sometimes going in parallel and you need to do it in a very quick way so that you can open the bank account for the business. And there we're seeing that there's some new tools coming out that allow this parallel processing of different workflows and still bring it all back together and crossing different departments as well. So not just Treasury using the TMS, but really tools that will cross different departments. So I think bank account management is one example there of a workflow tool, but as Christian mentioned, trading and lots of others as well. Um, the other thing I would see is RPA. So the technology there has come on leaps and bounds and we're seeing RPA crop up in multiple different places to put out little fires that Treasury has. So I wouldn't say RPA is a long-term fix for solutions because it's usually like automating something that somebody would type into a machine anyway, and usually from one system to another, but it can be helped to, to plug that gap. So if you need to build an interface from one tool to another, the RPA is a quick way of putting that in place so that you can automate your, your workflow, automate your process and move on to the next part. So just to clarify, RPA is robotic process automation. Is that right? Yes, indeed. Right. Sorry. And then I'd say that the third part would be cash flow forecasting, which isn't anything new. Um, but I'd say, again, COVID brought home the value of a good cash flow forecast. I think a lot of treasurers spent a lot of time coming up with cash flow forecasts, during, particularly during the early days of the, the crisis, and trying to run those cash flow forecasts under multiple scenarios. And again, many discovered that this is something that most TMSs aren't very good at. So what the TMS will do is usually it's going to consolidate or aggregate a lot of cash flow forecasts that come from the business to give the treasurer an overall view. 
But actually what companies discovered is that took too long during the crisis and actually it was prone to a lot of errors. But now with advances in machine learning and actually I'd say even more importantly is advances in the ease of implementing applications that do machine learning or artificial intelligence, we're moving away from that slow manual error prone bottoms up approach and instead going to a top down approach. So using all of the data that treasurers have on, under their fingertips, so all of the bank balances, AP and AR information that they've used in the past, and having the machine come up with what is our prediction of the cash flow forecast and what would it be under different scenarios. And this means that the treasurer has that information much quicker and can flex it much easier at the touch of a button. And I think that's something. I hear a lot of treasurers that are doing the two things still today, bottoms up as well as top down, but more and more are saying they're getting more value out of the machine learning and AI cash flow forecast than the previous version. Absolutely. I've, I've heard similar things. Um, and that comes on to Jan Dirk because banks are really good at data. You've got a lot of data about your customers. So um, with that in mind, bearing in mind the, the access to data that you have, what role are the banks playing in treasury automation and digitization? Yeah, I think uh, there can be there can be many roles for the bank, but uh, I think uh, one of the of the major roles we should play or could play is as aggregator and co-create secure and trusted multi-party uh, platforms and 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 several of the earlier mentioned areas of expertise included, such as payment services, KYC, uh, onboarding, and cash flow forecasting. So be the co-creator of communities around certain themes, building on the natural position each stakeholder has in the ecosystem. And of course, I realize that not only banks want to have this aggregation role, but uh, um, yeah, let's see how, but I, but I do firmly believe in cooperation and, and co-creation in that area. And indeed, as you stated, uh, we do as banks hold large quantity of, of data uh, of the work and cash flows of, of our customers. And uh, we could use this to develop data-driven services on top of uh, the TMS services uh, offered by others. And we're thinking then in, in terms of, of peer benchmarking on receivables or other working capital KPIs, for instance. And uh, one way of distributing these dashboards and KPIs and services would be through APIs. So um, all compliant with uh, with GDPR and other regulations, of course. Great. And and Christian, perhaps I can ask you as well, because clearly uh, Yandok mentioned collaboration, mentioned APIs. These are, you know, key functions and, and key sort of touch points from an SAP point of view. So how are you working with banks and how do you see the value of those collaborations in, in creating that digitization and automation story? I think um, what we have in mind uh, from a roadmap perspective would be absolutely complementary to Jan Dirk's explanations because we see exactly the same demand for those services in which API could enable um, seamless collaboration between the ERPs or the TMS and then um, the corresponding bank system on the other side. Probably a platform-based approach is the model of the future in which um, you can share data and then banks and fintechs can provide services based on the data layer that a customer would release basically to the platform that the providers can make their offers and that the service is then oriented based on the demand that comes from the call 
corporate. And um, while we um, see in today's business more um, use cases at the moment for payment services and APIs that can be used, you know, to further improve the collaboration by checking a real-time balance or having EBAM services and um, those kind of things, I think the future model will be far beyond. And the, the buzzword that was used by Jan Dirk about data as a service will probably become reality in the near future. Thanks, Christian. So if I can ask all of you, actually, um, but first of all, starting with Jan Dirk, if that's all right, how do you see Treasurer's digital priorities changing and evolving in the coming years? And, and what technologies are evolving to fulfill those changing priorities? Yeah, in, uh, by, uh, by stating uh, how to fill the gap, I think Damien uh, has, uh, has mentioned uh, the, the, main, the main features uh, of, this, of the development. Uh, I, I'm also, I also see robotic process automation as, uh, as the next step in the business process automation. Uh, we see a lot of corporates um, um, using robotics in their, in their, uh, in their processes. Uh, I think we as a bank are, cannot really um, help in that matter. It's, I see that more as, as internal processes. Um, but um, otherwise, the application of more artificial intelligence, we touched upon the, the data-driven services, um, I think biometrics. And um, in the end, I, I also see uh, distributed ledger technologies uh, coming into, into pay, payments or into cash and treasury management. Great, thank you, Jan Dirk. And Christian, I know this is a topic very close to your heart in terms of what the future digital journey for Treasuries is going to be. Yeah, thank you. Um, I agree to the point that, that Jan Dirk has just provided, but let me briefly explain the various options and that maybe a combination of various pieces makes most sense here. So I think the foundation of everything is to have accurate digital data um, because this is really used for all the additional elements, being it process automation or analytics or even seamless collaboration with platforms and stuff like that, because this is a trigger point, right? RPA, from my perspective, so robotic process automation, is something um, that can help you to run repetitive tasks in particular, but it's primarily used to overcome a workaround in which you would use data from you know external legacy systems to put them into another system let's let's make it very briefly or you use it in in, in, in areas where you have very simple tasks that you can automate using RPA. There's another engine which is providing a little bit more value to clients which we call rule-based automation in which you have engines that are pre-loaded with highly specific process knowledge that can enable rule-based automation. So this is, for example, already used in areas like payment factories, but also for cash reconciliation. And this can really drive the automation um, to a large extent. And then on top of that, we have machine learning, uh, which is uh, something that identifies hidden patterns in um, knowledge-intensive processes, and it learns from the data without being explicitly programmed, and it uses trained models. So this is something that acts like a black box. To be honest, many customers don't like that, so because they would love to understand what's happening in the black box, and then they talk more about this rule-based automation engine, right? So there's a difference. 
points. But this is be an element which can be really seen as the caveat on top of everything to provide full automation and to basically um, reduce the human interaction for very time-consuming tasks. But it's all based on data and the model needs to be good enough and it requires a certain training period. So it's not a plug-and-play certainly not. So the combination of the three elements, I think, is the ideal, um, um, you know, possibility to further automate um, the business processes. But the key area, I think, is um, the need to reduce this very time-consuming aspect that is happening in the finance organization and in particular in the treasury organizations in which you use a lot of um, expertise and the human factor to get data collected from various systems. And at the time that you present the report, it's basically already outdated. This is what really happens in, in many organizations still, right? So that's why there is an, an, there's a need for increased automation of repetitive business processes to yeah, further automate that and to come up with a more, um, you know, um, with a more proactive reporting instead of a very reactive approach. And the proactive reporting would include also the use of predictive data um, that you combine basically real-time data with the predictions in order to have really also um, active steering. That is what we call that nowadays, to combine it very basically with various insights, you know, from data that is given by the system, but also combine it with external data from market insights, for example, to have a very good um, KPI reporting in place. Um, examples of... Um, what we are doing at the moment, in particular in the ML space, is that we have, um, in meanwhile, machine learning applications that can really fully automate the cash reconciliation piece. And we are using that data and those insights then also to improve the collections and uh, to have a better insight on payment behavior of clients, which can then be transported into the predictive forecast model. Just to give you one example, and this could be so far that in future, this cash flow forecast could also be used for um, exposure determination for the area of treasury and risk management. Just to give you a few examples, but there's a lot more to come, I think. Thanks, Christian. Damien, anything final you would like to add on, on that future of digitization in treasury? I think Christian covered it all. That was a very thorough review. Um, the, the, the big part, though, and you mentioned it a few times, is, is the data, getting the data model correct. And, and that's something that we see treasurers spending a lot of time building what we call data lakes. So, so they're really large volumes, much larger volumes of more unstructured data than perhaps would have been in a TMS before. And then the key thing is, you know, how do you extract the learning from that? What kind of algorithms in AI and ML do you use to really give you the insights? I think I'd agree on this one. I'd just like to finish by thanking our three Journeys to Treasury experts, Jan Dirk, Christian and Damien, and tell you a little bit more about the next podcast in this series, which focuses on the future role of the treasurer. Given that growing role of digitization that we've talked about and treasurer's increasing role in facilitating new business models, what might the future treasury look like? what skills will be required, and with more flexible working practices, what opportunities does remote working offer to access a global talent pool? So I look forward to seeing you at our next podcast recording. And in the meantime, thank you to our experts and thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.